Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast, volume 12, issue 552. It's Year Walk, the game we're going to talk about today. And joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue of the podcast, Brian Edwards. Hello, hello. Thomas Quilfelt. I see dead babies. Who's... Whose choice this one was yeah. for this volume? Yeah, yeah. Everyone gets a pick, and this was Thomas's. We'll go into why momentarily. After we've introduced, of course, Ryan Jow, welcome, welcome back. Hello. I say welcome back. You were here last week. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm welcoming you back to me, as it were. Uh, so, yeah, you walk uh, relatively obscure, although did get a certain amount of buzz, and uh, some people will have played it. Many of you won't, I guess, uh, but it is an adventure game, which is a very loose description based on Swedish folklore. There are some horror elements and it also has a transtextual companion experience, although the companion is kind of built in if you play this, depending on which format. Mm. But it was originally a mobile game. Uh, Thomas, do you want to expand on transtextuality? As it's normally that first that first little description, I try to make it as simple as possible. But we've already gone transtextual. Well, uh, there's it's just, yeah okay. It is a terrible word. It's Sorry just to a way to de- way to describe what the companion app is. Because of course, if mm. if you weren't sure in the first place, you'd assume the companion app was what it is written on the tin. But um, I'm sure there's been lots of games before this that have played with um you know uh ARGs and all sorts of other bits of like going outside of the game to yes learn it makes me think of um it, sorry Thomas no, in terms not... of things that are older it makes me think of uh going back to Metal Gear Solid and stuff mm. like that you know having the the codec on the, the back box, of the that box kind of yes thing. exactly yeah. I think it's I think that's that's what they were going for partly but and obviously we'll get into it but um when you un- yes. when you unlock the companion app experience, it becomes some you know becomes a uh, really it's does. not a video game at that point. That's the interesting bit. The companion app itself is not a video game. It's a sort nope. of a because it's not an interactive. It's just a narrative, but mm. then it throws you back. There is a puzzle there, and it throws you back in. So yeah, yeah trans textuality in that it's a separate experience that comments on the first experience and reframes it and repurposes it in some ways it's it's quite transformative Mm. if you just if you just played the game through once and didn't go to that it would be a perfectly interesting but quite traditional video game experience and when you throw the companion app into the mix it kind of yeah it it turns it into a whole different piece i would say yeah and i think it, it, in 2013 it hit quite hard because it yeah was, it was as indie games were rising and i don't know sure how, we had some very interesting games to that point but this was a period where i think this was one of the first like ipad sort of mm. show-offy games or sort of made for that experience like it was better on an ipad than an iphone for instance and the 
iPad was yeah. relatively yeah. new back then. So I think that had something to do with it. I probably wouldn't have picked this uh, or even remembered it without the companion app. So yeah, mm. it definitely plays a big part for me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we definitely shouldn't say any more without issuing spoiler warning because you could certainly spoil the basic game without the companion app aspect. But uh, even more so, once you get into that, there's definitely a, a, a strong spoilable element to the story that I think it would be a shame to to ruin. Uh, the game is pretty short to complete, even including your uh, second playthrough, should we call it? Um, you can you can do the whole thing in, say, two to three hours. And uh, so if you want to do that, listener, recommend it. It's not an expensive game. Go off and play it and come back and, and listen afterwards. But uh, so, yes, you, you said you picked it, obviously, for the show because perhaps, yeah, because of the interesting aspect that that brings to it. But... Was there was there more to it? And yeah, when when did you first play it? Did you play it when it was new originally? I can't remember. Yeah, I definitely played it in 2013. I can't remember if I was day one on it or anything, but I no. I'm just guessing that there was hype for it, and it was and it had been a couple of years to that point when I'd sort of got into quote unquote proper game. I sort of put down Pro Evo, picked up Flower. That's and... pretty proper, Thomas. Come on. <laughs> yeah, but I know it's the last time Pro Evo was good. To be fair. Um, uh, and picked up games like Flower and you know indie indie downloadable games and sort of started becoming more of a uh, you know take a take a more active interest and I think Year Walk just you know really stuck out. I think Apple must have put some marketing behind it at the time as well because we have Apple Arcade now, which kind of tells you what Apple thinks about you know the state of games on the open App Store. And that it, you know, it's almost like a, a nostalgic pining for these these early days from sort of 2008, 2012, 13, when really interesting games were being originally developed for the platform and were priced at, you know, whatever um, sort of a premium game price. And it's before that whole market seemed to just disappear, basically, um, to, into the, you know, the jaws of, of free-to-play stuff. Um, and because Apple Arcade has so many of the plus versions of older games that you, that had been on it originally. It sort of tells you what some of the people at Apple kind of fondly remember this period, I reckon. So, um, so yeah, I would have played at the time, I think, based on Buzz and, um, and devoured it and, yeah, thought very highly of it. And brought it to us 10 years on. Yeah, yeah. And I just, you know, obviously replayed it in, a, in an evening uh, over the yeah. last week. Ryan, how about yourself? I'm in a pretty much the same boat as Tom on this one. So I was I was trying to kind of historically contextualize this because I remember this felt like a big deal when it came out back in the day. And I was kind of looking at the dates and this this in my mind, this was kind of one of the early indie games. But then looking at the actual dates, you know, this modern wave of indie games that started back in like like around 2004 improper with uh you know cave story and alien hominid and then like more specifically with the kickoff of braid on the xbox live arcade in 2008 like even <clears throat> even if we're judging by the release of braid which was kind of like kind of like the tidal wave of like getting these the games sort of watershed moment. yeah 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 like even that was five years before this one came out yeah and True. Mm. It, it kind of also kind of coexists with 
the decline of point-and-click adventure games and then kind of a gradual re-emergence, um, I think kind of led by uh, Amanita Design doing these very kind of like minimalist oh, yeah. uh, which is, musical... Which is Machiner- Machinarium. Yeah, is yeah. Most famous one so from we're looking the time, at Samarost yeah. and Machinarium and mm. Botanicula. And I didn't realize, like, again, looking at the dates, like this would have come fairly late in like alongside Amanita Designs, other stuff. So this wasn't even one of the originals of one of those types of games. And so I don't know why I have this in my mind as being like <laughs> one of those early games that was like ubiquitous because it was such a forebearer. But uh, I do remember it getting a fair amount of attention. I, I always like, um, I like horror stories. I don't necessarily always like horror games because I'm a a bit of a, a chicken baby pants, but um, I think it's a technical <laughs> term. But yeah. I uh, I do like horror stories. I probably around the same time played Device Six by the same team, Samogo. Um, so mm. you know this this they were definitely making waves on the uh, touchscreen devices and on the uh, you know that kind of new emerging marketplace, which is still a little bit light on real premium games. So, you know, it's a good chance to kind of get their feet in the door at this point. I, I think they also released on Wii U as well um, at a time mm, when that did. console wasn't getting a lot of uh, third-party support. So um, mm-hmm. so probably a lot of, you know, being at the right place at the right time. I, I definitely remember that they caught like a wind of public interest and um, it, you know, it definitely persuaded me as well. I'm I'm always one for these types of like, artsy point and click adventure like vibe experience types of games um i played most of it back when it was still pretty new but uh at at one point i decided like uh this is a little bit too scary for me right now <laughs> like mm-hmm. replaying it now That's like it's moment. not terribly scary but it is very tense it is very atmospheric <laughs> um and so i just it was one of those where i always meant to go back and actually finish it which it turns out I only had like 20 minutes left in the game anyways. So, <laughs> um, but uh, it, it wasn't until kind of the lead up to this podcast that I ended up re-downloading it on, um, on the iPad. Actually, I'd previously played it on PC, uh, re-downloaded it on the iPad, which well, I, I guess I'll just probably mention here so we don't have to like dwell on it too much later, but it's a little bit like it feels a little bit abandoned where e on ipad at the moment unfortunately just because of the uh, fast oh, iterations okay. of that ecosystem uh the technology has kind of left this game behind and there were a few mm. um a few kind of basic features that just didn't work anymore like the uh, companion app i for the life of me i could not get the text to scroll and so i was stuck either reading the huh. first paragraph or as i did loading up the game on my pc anyways and so it kind of it broke up my experience of trying to play it all on ipad um which is a bit of a shame oh, that's a shame yeah, yeah it worked fine for me this time on a oh, really okay. big on an ipad pro that's okay odd. i yeah i have a 2021 ipad pro as well so maybe it was just some sort of a weird i i definitely closed the app reopened it tried everything that i could think of but it just wasn't working for me so hmm. your, your mileage may vary in that case yeah I had to play mine upside down because it wouldn't rotate. Um, That's yeah, it wouldn't ripping. rotate at the beginning. But then if you yeah. leave the app and then come back, it'll rotate properly. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, a few little weird technical hiccups. Mm. Very quickly on that point and click adventure. Um, 
Broken Age came out January 2014, or the first part of it, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so we were sort of getting getting back there. Yeah, yeah. They were kind of warming up to like modern point and click adventures are a lot more traditional than they were for that like period where the genre was considered dead. And so I think it was a little bit of a gradual reemergence until we're back to where we kind of were back in the 1990s today. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, it's a slightly unusual point and click in that it's played uh, for first person in that yep. you don't have an on-screen avatar character. You kind of walk around, but it's we'll, we'll talk about the mechanics of moving around this this game in a bit. Um, does that bring you up to date, Ryan, with yes. your playing experience? Cool, cool, cool. Brian, then, uh, what's your year walk journey been? Yeah, mine couldn't be more different, honestly. Uh, I had not heard of this game until... I joined the podcast a few years ago when I was going through, not to peek behind the curtain too much, but I was going through the long list and yeah. saying what games I would be willing to record. And I had ones that I absolutely would and ones that I definitely wouldn't. And then there were a lot of games in the middle where I'd look over and I would look at the platform and how long to beat. And I saw a year walk and I saw iOS and Steam and I saw mm-hmm. 1.5 hours. And I'm like, I can do that. And so I looked up the developer and saw that they made device six and Sayonara Wild Hearts. And I'm like, okay, yep, I'm, 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 I'm definitely game for that. Um, I had literally no idea what I was getting into when I sat down to play this game last week. Um, I play, I've played it through twice since then. And I, I think that going in knowing as little as possible was, was one of the coolest things for me because, um, as it's already kind of been mentioned by Ryan, that, the game does have uh, horror-y, spooky vibes, but it doesn't necessarily wear those on its nose when you first start the game. <laughs> and uh, the first time that that aspect of the game reared its head, it scared the daylights out of me. It was, it was pretty It was pretty awesome. Um, but yeah, uh, so I played it through once, kind of, and I know you already gave the spoiler warning, then did the second playthrough in big air quotes, and then I mm-hmm. did that whole process again afterwards uh just to kind of see oh brilliant yeah. cement the story in yeah there. perfect um yeah it was it was, <laughs> it was um it, it was a really interesting interesting way to play the game i did play it though on uh steam i did not play yeah. it with the companion yeah, yeah. app so uh, i believe unless i'm uh, misspeaking tom would be able to speak better to me that all of the companion app yeah yeah it's all stuff built in. is included in yes. what's called the in-game encyclopedia mm. uh via via steam so it's the journal isn't ju- it journal yeah so there's two yeah. bits there's an encyclopedia and a journal and yes. then the journal you have to kind of uh and i'm not sure if this is the same way with the companion app or not you had to basically uh suss out a password to unlock it and yeah. then once you did that uh you kind of were on to the second kind of part of the game so it's, yeah. it's they actually just drop the yeah you get right to the end and then they drop the code right in front of your face so there's okay. nothing to, there's nothing yeah to, but to, hold hold yeah yeah we'll we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. that yeah. more later <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yes um yeah so well similar for me uh i actually i did get the wii u version of this game at some point i believe it was part of the one and only nintendo humble bundle some years ago like 2015 maybe or something like that and uh and i picked that up and uh, you know it went on the backlog the pile uh thinking that we might cover it someday and i was gonna play that version but then when it came to it i bought it on steam because i couldn't be bothered to hook the wii u up <laughs> and i thought it's probably gonna you know it, mouse and keyboard it's gonna run a bit faster and smoother on the on on the pc and i can sit in front of my new monitor and play it there so that's what i did played it last <laughs> night 
including the the optional extra bit. I mean, it's yeah, we say it's an optional extra bit. Without it, it's a very different experience, as we say. But um, yes, you get the credits twice. You want to see the credits twice to see the end of the the yeah. year walk experience. It's not really. as bad as Near Automata, isn't that? No, no, five credits not. through or something. So. Yeah, or no, is it not, not as good? In terms of what it demands from the player's time, it's considerably less. Uh, so. Oh yeah. So yeah, the developer is the Swedish studio Simogo or Simogo. I'm not sure what the emphasis is. My Swedish pronunciation, as was pointed out by uh, our Swedish guest some years ago on the They Breathe podcast, was uh, abysmal. Uh, <laughs> uh, Japan uh, in Japan, it was released on the Wii U by Nintendo. So they actually uh, they published it um, on their own console, which is interesting. Uh, it's written by Jonas Tarastad who also worked on Device 6 and The Sailor's Dream. I think this was Simogo's fourth game, something like that. It was mm. codenamed Game 4. Uh, music from Daniel Olsen, who had also written music for Elo Milo and The Gardens Between, which we've previously covered, as well as D uh, Device 6, and songs for Sayonara Wild Hearts. And there's also a song from Jonathan Eng, who also wrote songs for Sayonara Wild Hearts and A Sailor's Dream. It's made in Unity, which I guess was, uh, I don't know, what, what year did Unity launch? I'm sorry, I'm just throwing everyone on the spot with that. But I guess it was quite new when this came out. I don't know about that, actually. 2005, I think. Oh, okay. First uh, release, interesting, Apple Worldwide Developers Conference as a Mac OS X mm, game engine. Okay. All right. So, yeah, Unity had been around a few years, but obviously... It wasn't perhaps as ubiquitous as it is today, but made sense for smaller developers at that point. It was released around 10 years ago, February 21st, 2013 on iOS. The Windows version followed just over a year later, March 2014. A Mac version arrived a month later. And then that Wii U version arrived in September 2015 worldwide and November in Japan, so maybe that humble bundle was a little after that. I can't imagine it was brand new when it was in a bundle. Anyway, it was certainly in my library for quite some years before I played it. The reviews on Open Critic have it at a healthy 83%, and it's recommended by 84% of the 20 reviews that they have amalgamated there. Steam reviews, user wise, it's very positive with over 1,100 folks. Uh, however, you won't hear correspondence from listeners in this show. We didn't have any. We put the usual call out as we do, and we didn't hear back from anyone who's actually played the game. So I guess it's not that widely known. Uh, and that's why that aspect is missing from this show once again. But um, what can you do? <laughs> Already issued the spoiler warning. So we'll move straight in to the scenario of the game and the title of the game, which is based around this old Swedish tradition, the idea of Orsgang, which is oh, it's a, a walk that you go on after not eating and not drinking and sitting in the dark and the cold, specifically on New Year's Eve, I think, or yeah. New Year's... There's, there's a couple of different dates that it yeah, works I watched, well on. Yeah, I watched a video that I thought, I thought was pretty interesting that was mm. in regards to this game um, from someone who was a pagan, uh, kind of pagan ritual historian, Saying that one Perfect. of the one of the things they had um uh not an issue with the game but they were 
Um, they they notice a little inconsistency there is that the pagan New Year, uh, the, from according to this source, was uh, October thirty first, Halloween. So right. they were expecting an autumn game and got a winter game, you know that type of thing. But um, uh-huh. uh, but but yeah, so a couple different dates. I think you know probably very much up for debate. It's basically uh, it seems to be men who didn't have LSD who wanted to trip, and so they'd go to extreme, <laughs> yeah. dangerous, lethal lengths to do it. <laughs> So the idea is you would go out with, yes, not having eaten or drunk for a while, not having... It was dangerous because obviously Sweden, very cold, night, winter or autumn. uh, And you would possibly hallucinate, see things. I don't know if there's any uh, implication that people would eat the the fungus of the forest and things like that to perhaps aid their journey. Um, But the idea is that uh, the supernatural would come into play or at least your perception thereof, you would see spirits and creatures and runes and things and the idea is that you would learn your future from this spirit walk uh, it would give you inclination as to whether you were going to marry whether you were going to be successful whether you were going to live all this kind of stuff am i Spe- specifically am I only one year ahead so not even that hence the name yeah not even that far in the future i wonder how much trouble it is mm. to go to just to see you know because yeah. it's not like they, you know, in ancient Sweden, they had bookies around and you could sort of divine yeah. the lottery numbers or something. I mean, you or, could just or... really impress everybody with your resolutions and just be hyper specific. <laughs> you know, what's your New, Year, your New Year's resolution this year? I am going to break my leg in the forest. Oh, my gosh. He was right. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, uh, uh, it is interesting that um, this kind of tradition and this uh, this folklore, it, it does kind of breach that very common theme amongst a lot of like religions and and cultural beliefs of that walking the line between the real world and the spiritual world and kind of like that that brief crossing over moments kind of reminds you almost of like transcend transcendental meditation things like that where you're just kind of playing with the veil as it were Mm. I, i found this to be very interesting because you know as the name implies a year walk like it begins in this period of self-isolation, in the darkness, you're not allowed to be around a fire, which is dangerous because it's very cold uh, in the middle of the winter. Yeah. Um, and then you would you would walk from your period of isolation to the church, and that would be where you would have you you do these kind of series of movements around the actual church building, as was detailed in the encyclopedia of this game. But uh, it was it was interesting because I'm like I would think that the a kind of Christian church would be the the ones who would have the the biggest problem with this kind of pagan uh, supernatural ritual, and so to involve you know the actual church building in this ritual in such a kind of core mm-hmm. central piece, uh, it, I guess it just kind of goes to show like how um, interlaced some of the pagan and early Christian traditions had become, and how oh, yeah. yeah, there's yeah. a lot of blurring of the yeah. lines there. Very much so. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure they could stop a year, Walker. Are you going to sit up in a freezing cold Scandinavian country till midnight and then stop some tripping idiot wandering around, <laughs> like tripping over gravestones outside? Mm-hmm. Or are you just going to go to bed and, you know, assume they're going to fall over and clock themselves on their head with a stone and, and die in the snow or something? I mean, it does feel a little bit like quite an outsider's ritual, like something that only very weird or isolated mostly men would even bother to even um attempt and 
I think it's so kind of obscure that we don't really, there's no data as to how often, I don't believe there is anyway, there's no data as how often it occurred, you know, which class of people undertook it and how common was it always died out in popularity around the time that this game is set didn't it they were they're saying that's actually very late for a year walk to have been undertaken Mm. 1890 whatever it was yeah yeah i just find it very interesting that like this pagan ritual um featured the church in such a central place because it in a way kind of like Mm. vampire mythology like it kind of uh it like acknowledges the divinity of the church and it it kind of holds like some sort of a sacred power to be like somewhat true right. which i don't know it, it yeah. it's an interesting interaction when you're when your like worldview of supernatural elements is so kind of separate from like i a singular yeah, God. i totally get that you do meet these people maybe maybe we have some of them among us uh, it's never really done it for me but uh, you know as a, a agnostic perhaps atheist um can you is that an oxymoron possibly anyway um you meet people who aren't practicing religious perhaps don't even fully believe in a god you know of of that kind of nature but they love to go to churches because of the spiritual feeling they get when they're there so it's just a stone building mate you know it's like there's interest in going to historical buildings and thinking about why we built them and all that kind of thing but I guess there's, you know, yeah, maybe it's just, maybe I'm just not in tune with it. <laughs> but these are all, all the, the, these are all folklorish characters in the game, the Holder, the Brook Horse and all of that, the Church Grim. Mm-hmm. There's nothing, uh, I mean, there's some symbology, isn't there? I, I don't see that it's so related to Christianity religion-wise. I don't feel like it is. I feel like it's more of a right. local yeah. folk, folklorish thing and that, the reason to head for the church is because it's probably the biggest building around and they knew where it was. And they don't <laughs> want to go fire st- stumbling into, yeah, they just don't mm. want to go stumbling anywhere else. So, um, so that's, that's how I, you know, the church grim is certainly not any kind of um, divine or Christian figure as far as I can tell. And the, the brilliant thing about that is when you see the app logo on the iPad and it's just mm. these black and whites and it's inverse for the companion app with the church grim, symbol it looks very kind of simple and childlike before you've played the game demonic goat and then and then after you've played the game you're like oh man that's really freaky that's some like ghost in the machine stuff that Mm. uh, actually they get into in the in the companion journal they get into ghost in the machine stuff as well yeah we should talk uh, a little about the actual plot to the game now i don't know if any of you i didn't really know the actual or even if there was an actual story behind the game it doesn't i don't know how much it set it up in like the game blurb on steam or the app that you buy or whatever i don't really know how much of a setup it gives you but as soon as you start the first the only thing you can do really at the beginning is walk to this windmill and visit this woman and you don't you i wasn't aware of any context for any of this so i i picked it up purely from the discussion that they were having and it only really was over the course of the game and then the journal that I was able to piece together the story of Daniel Svensson visiting his lover Stina, who uh, has been proposed to by a rival lover, I suppose. Uh, they're both young. Uh, she's like 17 or something. I don't know if he's meant to be a tad older. Um, she warns, She's fond of, of Daniel, but doesn't want to marry him. She warns 
him about the dangers of year walking, obviously the, you know, the cold and the going insane and whatever else. Uh, her cousin apparently had died engaging in similar activity. Uh, but Daniel returns home and decides to do it anyway. Um, and then as he goes on his year walk, and this is the, the meat of the game, you encounter the, these uh, series of fairies and mythical creatures, the Holder of the Brook Horse, the Mylings, the Night Raven and the Church Grim. Uh, but then it becomes rather more ominous as uh, as you finally uh, get to the church. There's a, there's a whole rather difficult to explain interaction with, um, I guess, an entity representing... It's this is this lost me a bit. This is a bit two thousand and one. This whole section is it? Is am I missing something very obvious? Which bit? The bit with the 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 spinning crystal spinning and, and, and all that stuff. I don't know. Yeah, it's quite transcendental, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it, there's quite a few. There's a few indie games actually that that go weird at the end for a kind of. Um, I just honestly, I just took it as a sort of flashy you know tra- yeah transcendent and he's tricky. obviously wigging out like the, the the he's kind of lost the plot at this point and you don't know there's an element of the sus- you know suspected unreliable narrator or possibly going slightly mad narrator uh in you know in that he's he's lovelorn and cold and <laughs> yeah. hungry and all this other stuff and the tragedy is that uh at the end of the game you kind of come to come around or as Daniel and uh, you see Steena lying there in a in a what is now a peaceful daytime meadow. You think she's asleep or resting or something, and then a pool of blood appears from under her. And we later learn that um, in his in his reverie or whatever his his state of uh, spirit walking distraction and and abstract kind of experience of whatever's going on, he's kind of yeah he's. It's, he's done a heavy rain. <laughs> he's blacked out and yeah. killed someone. Yeah, I quite, um, yeah, I quite like the ambiguity of it, and that there, there might mm. be some time travel or not with the the chap in the companion. Well, journal, yes. And I just sort of finished the whole thing, and I just loved the whole experience and the music and the vibe and everything. And I let the story float away a little bit. Um, personally, I've just I don't know. Maybe I'm just rubbish at holding on to or finding firm story um footholds as we went over in the cosmo d shows last right. uh, last week i just sort of let it wash over me a bit and don't try and hold on i enjoy the detail and everything i just never can be bothered to piece together an actual you know bang on narrative at the end mm. um because yeah you know if i if i really want to i'll go to youtube and find someone who's cleverer than me and put more time into it um, yeah i mean the the companion app kind of well it spells out elements of it but mm. not in the end there is there is a huge amount of ambiguity as to whether you actually kind of well i, I think it gets really quite complicated and layered in terms of i was also wondering if there's also an element um, and I don't want to give away the plot of another recent game at all, um, but it, it reminded me of uh, in some aspects of immortality um, in the, the sense of, you know, how much is the player involved in this? Who, you know, is there is there the idea that the actual um, kind of the, the power of the researcher is actually it, it reminded me of that sort of being mm. the curator of the story. Yeah. 
there's there's other recent examples of that, like with inscription, for example, for anybody who's okay. played that. Um, Haven't and, um, and that doesn't really give anything away. That's uh, your sure. your player character, your narrator, kind of from the beginning, you know, is 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 taking an active part in the pro- process. Mm. So that's not a spoiler. Um, as much as it just kind of, it does lead you to wonder, and I think that is one of this game's strengths and weaknesses. Not to as a cop out, but like that. This game did leave me thinking about it when I had finished, and I was excited yeah. to do a second playthrough because even though I knew kind of you know I could, you could kind of skip over some of the puzzles or like oh hey I remember the first design I have to put onto this tombstone all right let me go find the other two or whatever um, mm-hmm. but the actual sussing out of what had happened um, was something I was excited to get back into but even after a second playthrough I wasn't sure if I had come to any more firm realizations and I mm-hmm. and it's one of those things where. I'm not sure if I could put that as a failing of me to not understand it or a failing of maybe exposition or an intentional um, illusion, you know, and mm-hmm. it, you kind of you got to kind of come to grips with that from your own perspective, like almost like Tom said, of like, you know, am I going to let this wash over me? I'm going to uh, am I going to seek out every bit of research I can find about it to find out the answer or am I going to chalk it up to uh, this was too confusing for me to come to naturally? So it's not really for me. It's um, it's kind of got all three of those elements for me because I found myself doing, you know, watching, you know, pagan historians, you know, videos on the ritual, but then also I wasn't really seeking out necessarily an answer for what happened to Daniel, you know, if you know what I mean. So, um, if anything, it it encouraged my exploration of knowledge, but not necessarily when it came to the game itself specifically. That, that sounds perfect though. That doesn't sound like a failure to me. That sounds like, I'm sorry if it, if it, was you know um unsatisfying oh no no but i wasn't saying that account, i just mean like, that um even yeah, how like you it, played it like coming it, to it cold and then leaving it ambiguous even though you did it twice and you still right. couldn't get a firm foot that sounds wicked that sounds no perfect. it was no it was it was cool but the what i mean is that depending on you know how the player feels at the end mm. i could see it going in any of those directions true sure. yeah, yeah with regard Ryan, to that rather we're, we're, grim ending i kind of interpreted that as not being a stabbing that occurred during the actual year walk itself but like a premonition uh, as to what was going to happen in the future um mm, one because like yeah. the the environment didn't really match up like if if she was stabbed during this like middle of the winter excursion, then like the very next morning wouldn't be this, you know, springtime sunny. I mean, it would be sunny, but it okay. wouldn't be like entirely I'm not melted sure. off. Because so, the journal goes into the history. Like okay. there are newspaper cuttings that the, the Daniel was executed. Yeah. For for the murder. But I don't know. I can't remember what on what date the, the murder is supposed to have taken place. I thought it was during the year walk. The way that I interpreted it was that sure. the year walk yeah. was was kind of showing him that this is what you are going to do. And then in the ultimate ending, it pre- prevents yeah. or it presents him the choice as to like, you could either cut this cycle off now, or you can go through with it ambiguously. Like if it happened during the year walk, then it kind of, to me at least undercuts the like ultimate ending. Hmm. Hmm. that's true so yeah well i mean this is this is kind of the the, the most complex aspect of, of this game we're going to come back and talk about the you know the graphics and stuff in the, <laughs> the actual playing of the game in a bit but reading the journal after you so after you've completed the game seen the tragic ending um you get as part of the end sequence you get a very strong kind of hint recommendation to go back and look again 
and the 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 very heavily Im, sort of impressed clue that said more than once is north of the mill south of the brook now you know these are two locations or the brook and the mill are locations in the game but at this point you've never been specifically north of the mill or south of the brook because if you go to the mill the only north is into the mill where you've done a few things and seen a few things where you first met Steena and south of the brook doesn't exist in the game on uh, as you played it so my assumption at this point was there's actually going to be extra paths somehow in the game that you would push forward and back on your keyboard or controller to move into but actually this clue was one of the few that I actually ended up looking up because it's quite a it's quite clever um and I was too stupid to work it out did anyone else did, did everyone else get this I I got it but I was very lucky um so I opened up the map on yeah. Steam and I was like okay let me let me look at North, and I and my mouse just happened to drag over a part where I saw the national treasure style yeah, highlighter. I think that's the idea. Uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I I looked into it. Um, I'm not sure if I would have gotten there by mm. myself, but um, I did look. And then once once you see the one like the one, I'm like, oh well, now I know. So it was yes, pretty yeah. easy to work out the yeah. rest, but purely by where my cursor was on the desktop, there was no. Well, yeah, the yeah. idea. I think the idea is that you wave your finger or your cursor around, going, ah, but I've been. There is no south of the brook, yeah. you know, yeah. and then it reveals the 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 password and uh, and login details for the the Theodore Almston Journal, which is a modern day at the time of the game was written. I guess a man obsessed with Swedish folklore, investigating the meaning behind the year walk. And he reveals a story and there's pictures and, yeah, research. Uh, and what's curious is throughout the entire first uh, playthrough or the, the the normal playthrough of your game as Daniel Svensson is there's this box which is right near the start and you see it near the beginning of the game and you walk past it goodness knows how many times. It's a box with, box with symbols on it. You can rotate the front of the box and you know it's obviously some kind of puzzle box. And of course, every time you see it, you think, oh, I guess that will be involved later. You're also walking around, you're seeing symbols on trees and various other locations and things that you're obviously going to have to interact with. So you just you just kind of forget about it, go past it. That will come up in a minute. And it never does. Actually, it's part of the it's part of the secret of the game is that you you learn how to open the box through the journal. And at this point, yeah, things get kind of wacky, right? So the so Theodore Almston, as the journalist, starts to become again. Don't know whether you you don't know fully whether this is all reliable narrator stuff or not. But he starts to become insane. The diaries start to go a bit um, Resident Evil, <laughs> itchy tasty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, he he starts becoming paranoid. He starts thinking he can move and act through time, and ultimately he decides that through his connection his spiritual connection with this story he's able to go back and change change the outcome right hmm well yeah I, yes i think so but uh, and but as you said it he almost kind of seems to have touched the other side and becomes obsessed with and compelled by it remind me of a, a short story i read uh by stephen king a long time ago i'm gonna mm. can't remember the name of it but the the Basically, the, the the entire idea of this story, spoiler for the story, I can't remember the name of, um, <laughs> uh, where uh, slowly but surely the town's water supply had been 
being poisoned or contaminated oh. and and it's all journal entries so by the end of the journal the you know the language and the uh, mm. kind of the themes and everything it, the, the the writer is clearly losing their mind as they're writing the journal and this had that that feel to it to me so by yeah. the end um of the journal it became very clear that that something had happened and i'm not sure if he was intentionally going to alter this course of events or if his his kind of you know journey with learning about the year walk and kind of uncovering these quote-unquote secrets about um this this tradition if he was intentionally doing it or had been kind of guided by some other hand to do it but it cut clearly over the course of uh, i forget how there was there's almost 100 journal entries and um mm-hmm. and uh, over the course of it you kind of see that slow descent into that obsession with figuring it out kind of at any cost, like what this actually means. Um, hmm. That was a really, really profound moment for me when playing this game is because it got to the point where I'd finished the game, seen credits, and then this unlocked, as you said, Leon, and, and I started reading the journal entries and me being someone who likes to finish video games, I started like scrolling and scrolling and then I realized what I had gotten myself into. It's like, all right, slow down, hmm. make a cup of coffee, walk away, come back. And then I sat down, and I read the whole thing kind of in yeah. one sitting. And that yeah. was really effective, I thought. Yeah. The first time I did it, I think um, I don't want to diminish the experience of anyone who didn't play it um, on iPad, both parts. But originally, back in 2013, the it wasn't clear that what you'd unlocked in the companion was fictional with, with these journal entries. <laughs> when you start reading them, oh, cool. yeah. I remember actually yeah. thinking it, it's so... It's really well done. The photography is brilliant, and the yeah. Photoshop yeah. elements of the there's a lot of Photoshop in the, and and it's really tasteful. Um, actually, what they the way they touch it up or, or just crop you know crop the photo or take it at a strange angle, which reminds me a little bit of Mr. Robot. If anyone's seen that show, they choose just very odd angles and diagonals and put people in the wrong part of the frame and stuff like that. So the photography itself is is doing a lot of storytelling. And uh, and yeah, and gradually, obviously, you come to re- you know you come to realize, and that's that classic thing of the person, their job starts to suffer, and their relationship starts to suffer. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've that 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 has happened a lot in um, fiction. Like you think of movies like The Fly or whatever. Brundle, you know, gradually his mm-hmm. life falls apart as this supernatural yeah. thing overcomes. As their him. obsession takes over, mm-hmm. and the or, madness, well, the obsession becomes a madness. Whether it's as as the others have pointed out, whether it's obsession or whether it's pos- possession. Um, yeah yeah um so i just thought it was super well done didn't dwell in any one detail again just sort of um yeah came to real and and that's why it hit so hard for me the first time is just because i started it thinking it was it was real like it was a developer diary or something it was going to be a glimpse into how the writer became interested in the topic and how the game came about um, so it was absolutely delightful if you come to it cold. And there's something about switching from one app to the other. There's something about the fact that on iPad, it's two separate apps mm-hmm. that mentally put me in the frame to not think of it as part of the game. So that was that was clever. And I think that was the ideal intention of the developers was to have it played on an iOS device and you jump streams, you know, you're not. Within sure. the same piece of software, you literally... they did convert it within a year to PC, though. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm. I'm, I'm sure they. Shame there's no Android version. Put a lot of because yeah. you know m- more people have Androids now than than iOS, right? So 
um i guess it's just yeah didn't the timing didn't work out hmm and maybe they just you know i don't know didn't get yeah didn't fancy it or or they they were pretty committed to ios i think mm. uh, i don't know if device six is on android or or sayonara but um yeah that was one of the you know i've been an ios owner since the iphone 3g or something and and mm. have been through that journey of being delighted by various games uh, you know i remember the first time i played angry birds um <laughs> so this so when we got into like a rich vein of games with with i think i might have played this on the iphone actually to begin with i'm not even sure i had an ipad back then because they would have been quite pricey um but yeah it, it it specifically that and the form factor and the way you swipe and stuff spoke to me that you know yes yeah. they when they sat down to first design this game it was very very much touch and an ios yeah, first sure. yeah as is the way with uh, a lot of Android games, if you search for Year Walk on the Android App Store, you get a lot of those kind of knockoff games where yeah, it's yeah, clear yeah. that they were trying to be, you know, this marketplace's version of Year Walk. Um, speaking yeah. of the adaptation to PC, though, it was uh, it, it's not just a straight port. Like, there's a lot of stuff that they did really, really clever, cleverly to kind of retune some of the puzzles for the. Uh, Okay. The new like go into that by all means. Yeah. Yeah. Like so the when you're collecting the dead babies, um <laughs> oh, the mylings. Go yes. on. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Brian's attention. You got your is spoiler aroused. warning up front. Listener discretion advised. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When you're collecting these these spirits of these these children, um you you do that on the iOS by it, it's almost kind of annoying, but it's not too bad because you don't have to go too far, but you have to like you have to hold them with your finger as you continue to swipe yeah, with your other hand I was wondering your other that. finger and on the uh on the steam version they just go into like a separate inventory screen like you get on a normal point and click but then they they kind of retool some of the positions of the uh of the children's spirits um so i i know that there's one of them that doesn't even appear until you go into i don't remember whether it was the inventory or wh- whether it was one of the other kind of ui screens and then you see within that UI screen like a trail of blood that indicates that the the child's yeah. spirit is nearby. And so that was completely new to the PC version. I, I think that there's a few other oh, interesting. puzzles yeah. that are just completely different as well. They also hid one of them in the in the encyclopedia, which was Yeah, I yeah. think that's yeah, yeah, I think that's what I'm thinking of. That is very cool because the the those those particular puzzles are very IO that are very touch specific. Yes. For instance, you have to, for one of them, you have to swipe out of bounds and keep pulling the screen mm-hmm. that feels unnatural because you, you're used to the screen ending. Once you swipe a few times, you get to the edge. Mm-hmm. So you have to swipe past the edge, which feels unnatural, and you discover one. And the other one, you have to, you see blood dripping down and you can't see where the baby is mm-hmm. and you turn the device upside down, which was, which was a really... Oh, that is. We see the, the blood dripping upwards. <laughs> Oh, blood dripping happens. Yeah, even better. It's a very wow. simple trick, but um, and I'm sure yeah. it's been done a, a few times. No, um, but it's yeah that that, that, yeah. that sounds that sounds like another kind of compelling reason to play it on tablet rather than mm. desktop. So I didn't realize that they went into your inventory screen, Ryan. I, I actually clicked onto the baby and then Same, used the keys Ryan. and dragged them around. Oh, okay. Same. So I didn't realize that you could way. do that. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is yeah. no yeah. menu. There is no menu on the iOS one at all. There's no right. oh, turn the music off, nothing yeah. at all. There's no pause whatsoever. 
mm. which is its own kind of Dark Soulsy hooray, uh, which is its own sort of Dark Soulsy um, thing that you're sort of you're always in yes. the game. Although there's no real time danger. Although no. you know the game creeped me out to the point that I did. I was a little leery of leaving it sitting there in case it tried something yeah. like as as we said. <laughs> like I wouldn't say the game was terrifying for the most part. It's got a couple of little jump scares. But it's more about the overall vibe, isn't it? It's got yeah. this very crisp winter kind of... It reminds me... Now, uh, this will only work maybe for Thomas, if you remember. There was a, an old gin... No, vodka advertising campaign. Quite famous, possibly, from the 90s called the... T I think it was called The Tingler. Mm. And it was this sort of winter sprite... And it was filmed in such a way that it would look like, um, you know, old timey film and all this, you know, it had this kind of really weird vibe to it. And that was the that was something of the vibe that Yearwalk gave me. But it also obviously evoked similar kind of feelings to Midsummer, the film and and that sort of. Yeah, I, I'm sure I remember I, the, the word Milings makes me think of something I've seen in the past as well. I'm sure I've seen other things that have tapped into swedish folklore and other scandy stuff like troll mm. hunter and things like that right. was obviously a slightly yeah. different thing but any any other kind of touchstones for the audio visual and the and the atmosphere so i i already talked about this a little bit but that that first jump scare like i said scared the pants off me just because i wasn't expecting it but um yeah the and from that point on i did not trust the game at all <laughs> <laughs> I, was, good. I was very good, much good. playing on defense after that um I really do uh, like, though, the um, I thought the audio cues were really good. I think they were creepy. And mm -hmm. um, there's, there's particular um, times when you're in the I forget what they call it. So the the area where you need to drag, drag the flame around you're underneath underground. You got to climb up the ladder afterwards. Yeah. I think just like like it's nothing bad happens down there. Perfect. But the, the audio always feels like something very bad is always. About oh, to happen. oh, yeah. 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 I, I love, was totally I waiting that. for a if kind it, of cheap jump. Yeah. yeah, there hadn't already been one. Yeah. Um, I was definitely I was scared to look at it even this time. I didn't remember the jump scare. Yeah. It was it was ten years ago. Yeah. And it yeah. got me. It got me this time. I was listening with nice big headphones, huge, yes. huge iPad Pro. <laughs> and mm. I probably like jumped up. It was great. I think yeah. yeah, and and I think the the visuals match um match that kind of Lost. I mean it's obviously they're going for the the, the, the Swedish forest, but the that really kind of Europe on your own isolated feel um, that, that you're going for in this game. I, I also thought that some of the visuals didn't match up and I didn't, didn't mind this. Like I found the, the Huldra to be absolutely like, you know, beautiful and then, and then grotesque in the, in the way they were looking. Mm -hmm. But then like the Brook horse I found to be like quite almost hilarious. Like, you know, this, <laughs> this horse rises out of the water and is wearing a suit and tie. Like, I don't, it, there's like, there's, there's humor to it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's it, iconic it, though the brook the brook horse by yeah. yeah. And then and then like even those milings the the babies that Ryan was talking about collected like I I got a lot of binding of Isaac vibes Isaac off vibes. those. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. And and yeah, so it, it was one of those things though that that like there was very rarely a time where there was something on screen and when you're moving left to right and if we haven't talked about that already you're essentially just moving left to right and then backwards and forward is only really used to go from path to path and uh, but there's always something interesting on the screen. There's always something to look at. There's always something that draws the eye. And, and when you're kind of scrolling across and, and there's something different there, it's very easily to easy to recognize. And um, I did appreciate that. It, it did remind me of 
um, some of the frustrations I've had in the past with point and click adventures and this game because of its barren landscape kind of takes that away in the sense that it's not you're not pixel hunting for anything. It's not hard to parse what you're looking what you're supposed to be looking at on screen. Mm. I think like a lot of the modern point and click adventure games, I'm thinking of stuff like The Room and a few of these kind of escape room types of of puzzly point and clicks. Um, there's like despite the fact that everything is kind of flatly shaded in a way um mm. everything is mm-hmm. is kind of paper crafty um yeah. everything is a little bit like flash animation like it feels it feels like a very very premium Newgrounds game in a way like just in the way that it looks and i mean that mm-hmm. in a very positive way because no, that's yeah um but i think there's also like another touch point for me is that this feels uh well i was going to say this feels very physical in a lot of the interactions that you do. And there's a lot of the, the things on here that require some real kind of, I don't want to say dexterity, but some, sometimes on the touchscreen anyways, some real effort to accomplish. Um, I think about mm, like okay. Such s- as. spinning that little wooden, wooden hanging baby doll uh, around yes. multiple times. Yes. I found to yes. be yeah, a little bit difficult hard. on it's iOS, but in a way that kind of added to, the physicality of that experience and you can almost kind of feel it getting tighter or increasing in resistance the more that it wound yeah it's really interesting um yeah because if you if you contrast that to something like mario run where or or simple single touch mm -hmm. games where it's literally just tapping the screen and that's the skill this you you know the bigger your screen on ios or touch you do the bigger the swipes you have to do you have to do sometimes enormous swipes or pull it really far over the screen and Ryan's absolutely bang on the money that that adds that adds something to it and then speaking of the physicality there's uh a lot of the the way that the characters were animated was very puppet-like and a lot of the characters mm-hmm. are very kind of like gangly and lanky as well and it really reminded me of <laughs> like a uh like a stop motion type of movie like you would see out yes. of Leica or Nightmare Before Christmas or something like that and so you know, it kind of adds that physicality, even though, even though the graphics like aren't selling physicality ne- uh, necessarily. There's definitely that kind of element of the the physical nature that's that's kind of built into these peripheral elements. Yeah, there's a couple of horror horror. Um, like I found the original Mist scary, and mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. Riven, um, the sequel to Mist, because even though nothing happened, you just leave it on a screen, nothing happened. Just the wind blowing and the ambience yeah. and the sound. There's yeah. something about puzzle games where there's no like looming threat hunting you down, like you it's know, Mister X or something. Desolation but, to it, alone. Exactly, yeah. but, and partly because of te- technological limitations, you know, because it's mm. just I don't know. Back in, Mr. but in this case, that's the atmosphere. Yes, that obviously a year walk would theoretically invoke. Yeah, it's just it's you very- and the. Unless you meet somebody else out on one, it's it's just you and the the spirit. And right? they use um, camera overlay stuff, like in Limbo. Um, Limbo was before this as well, and would you know? So so using certain. Um, so if you leave this, if you leave it static, there's this. Uh, does it does it wobble slightly? I think there's some kind of um, there's some filters over mm-hmm. it and some yeah. things floating in the air and stuff like that. So they yeah. they add you know they they create a lot of atmosphere with not not much um but with just very tasteful i mean that is simogo isn't it just tastefulness device six sayonara wild hearts those games are 
are bang on in terms of atmosphere and taste and i didn't like you know. the other two Samogo games i've played i was going to say and i never like to be oh, negative I and I, I haven't played all of them but i've played i played one of their early ones which i know also got quite a lot of uh hype on ios which was um beat what was it called beat sneak bandit <laughs> Thank you, Beat Sneak Bandit, which was one I think had been recommended by a friend of the show, Sean Bell. And I think he, he played this. I think he was a fan of Year Walk. He was a, a contender for the panel on this one as well. Um, but yeah, I, I hated Beat Sneak Bandit. I thought <laughs> I, f- I found it really irritating to play. Um, and then years later, I played Sayonara Wild Hearts and I was thoroughly underwhelmed. So I think this is probably my favourite. Yeah, I mean, that, when I say taste, I'm talking about aesthetically. I didn't enjoy playing Sayonara Wild Hearts on touch with touch controls. I thought I was really let down by that. Mm. But aesthetically wise, you know, everything, fonts, colours, that kind of thing. And I think Year Walk is, is pretty yeah. still, okay. exam- you know, and even um, Daniel Olsen on the music, he mm. is clearly very adaptable you know he zones in on that kind of creepy scandy scandy folk thing um but can then later switch to spy 60s stuff and and sign our heart wild hearts oh, highly like talented electro yeah. blissful electro pop i just want to say something ryan said about the physicality part real quick and i i think a lot of that has to do with audio because i did not play it on touch mm. but there is something about um and I think it's just the audio cues, and obviously you're doing it with a mouse. I was playing with a mouse, um, and but the you mentioned the wind up dial. I found that dial like to have a lot of resistance to turn as well. And then um, the puzzle box we mentioned at the beginning, like very much felt like a rotary telephone for yes. those who are old enough to ever oh, use yes. those. Mm. Like that, just the way it clicked, the way that like as it would click back into place, it would kind of over click, like kind of almost go to the next one, but then like like shimmy back at the last moment, like. It just the animation and the audio and all of that, like it gave me a, it gave me a feeling that for sitting on my couch and and doing this year walk thing on my laptop and all that stuff, like it felt like I was interacting with a toy in those moments. And I think that like that's really kind of uniquely impressive. You don't get that a lot um, in in games, and it's even more important in a game like this where the interactivity is kind of at at a lower end for a video game right so mm. um i i thought that was that was really cool um, they they because the room came out in 2012 um which uh-huh. is this amazing you know early ipad sort of ios trailblazer of physical puzzles and that and that that really is a game built all around that tactileness so it's it's perfectly possible or not that sim that the guys at Samogo played that and then added some yeah. you know animation polish or some resistance or whatever tuned those elements up um but they certainly they definitely nail it check out our the room trilogy podcast mm, fantastic games and scary in their own way as well mm. yeah i want to just go in a bit more as we do on the cane and rinse podcast to talking about the actual playing of this game uh in terms of how you get around because I didn't really know what to expect going into this game. And it's a little, uh, in, in some ways it's extremely retro. It reminds me of really old games like, uh, I don't know, maybe Lords of Midnight and things like that, but it's kind of unlike anything else I've played recently, I would say in the way you actually navigate the map. So Mm. you have a map that you can click on and not uh, in the iOS version. That's the, that's the interesting thing. Okay. Right. Mm. Which so I was googling the map because I was like, "Where am I? Do I go back? Which way was left? I don't know." 
Okay, that's interesting. And again, that maybe that's more of a purist way to play mm -hmm. it. Now there is an achievement on Steam for not resorting to the map. <laughs> um, I yeah. used it constantly. <laughs> I did too. I thought I thought people were going to not believe me that I actually played this game because I've played it through twice and have no zero out of twelve yeah. achievements from Steam. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> like <laughs> people are going to yeah. think I just opened it up and stayed at the main menu or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. Yeah, so, well, does someone want to describe the locomotion in this game? And, and uh, there, I noticed on the PC version, at least, and I'm guessing on Wii U as well, there's a choice of speed, speed settings, and I put mine up to maximum. But again, maybe the purest way to play it is medium or slow. It is very much like a text adventure game, almost. It, it's very much like yeah, the, you, it know, is, you come yeah. across a bridge in the distance go north to investigate yeah. mm, and yes and so Very you know as so. you you can scroll left and right on all or most of the screens and it'll just kind of it'll be kind of a nondescript forest until you reach kind of a point of interest and it it's not going to necessarily describe what's in the next scene although sometimes it it will be like sometimes you can see the river off in the distance and a little can, mini version yeah, yeah you can go and investigate that but sometimes it is just like a pile of wood that's sitting there and either in the uh, mm -hmm. the back of the screen which represents going outwards and forwards or sometimes in the foreground which represents kind of going backwards or behind you and you know you scroll left or right until you reach one of these and those are the points of kind of intersection with the pathway so it is this like this interesting like these horizontal hallways that are kind of broken mm. up by these these doorways in a way if you want to if you want to like envision mm. it that way um but it's it's not like free exploration but it it's still pretty open ish yeah and, and yeah. the way they way they maintain tension a little bit like the original resident evil is not like the resident evil but in the way that locomotion and discovering new rooms and the camera angles in resident evil led to tension um, especially if you're the colder you are to it, or the earlier you are in the game, the more tension they build because you don't know what's you know what the game's mm -hmm. capable of throwing at you. But in this game, I was always slightly scared going from you know left or right, scrolling horizontally because you're just not sure what you're suddenly going to scroll into, mm -hmm. and because things change throughout, so the babies suddenly appear in different places after a certain point um they maintain that tension really well even in a you know really short game uh, with a really kind of firm rigid frame of of movement mm. you know where you're very decisive you're either going left you're right you're definitely going forward you're definitely going back and that's it you know um but they still kept the tension up there's something not nice about scrolling with your finger mm. and revealing something freaky yeah, and it's it's unusual in some ways in that it is, uh, although it's fairly open, there's a couple of places you can't go at the beginning and one very obvious one, which is the church. Um, and really the the puzzles are a, a sequence of getting the key to the church gate uh, and it always you know, kind of gets taken away from you at the end. But you can go almost, almost anywhere from the beginning uh, on the entire map um, with a couple of exceptions. Well, once the year walk starts, the very opening sequence, you can only go to the mill and back, basically. Um, but one thing I did find interesting was the, as well as the, the puzzle box and why that didn't seem unusual is because the environment is kind of littered with stuff that you 
don't or can't interact with early on, but looks like it's going to be relevant later,、mm. such as marks on trees and runes and stone tablets and various other bits and bobs. And that's a that's、um, a missed thing, isn't it? That's a I have to leave this place now. I cannot solve this puzzle、mm-hmm. right now. Mm. So I'm going to have to come back here, and that nagging feeling in your mind, like, oh, I've got to remember to, to come back to that place.、Um, I did. I just just had a thought. Like, imagine if this was created in fully realized Unreal Engine five. You know, you're actually like Blair Witch. You're actually walking through a dark wood.、Yeah. It would be way too scary to play. It would be、think. like、um, Slender. The slend the pages、yeah. that slender game that everyone plays on or used to play. Yes, on,、uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, rem- yeah. I, I remember playing a very, very early basic、but、version of that, and I was more puzzly and less, less, less collector muppy. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't think I could play this in a in a kind of PT ish, fully realized, you know, Unreal Engine. If it was all f- like snow forest, fog. yeah, yeah. I don't、but、know. It'd be could, pretty cool. Yeah, it would be cool. <laughs>、uh, thinking about it, it would be cool. But but it still, yeah, the art style serves. Still serves to creep me out. So yeah,、mm. it was really effectively creepy for not just relying on darkness, right? I mean, a lot of games just do that. I'm I'm playing another game for the podcast right now that that very much does that. Like you know, um, in um, which we'll talk about during the condemned two recording, where it's like you know, how do we make this area spookier? It's like you know, to, essentially just turning a brightness knob. And um, I think that this game manages to pull off that like. Uneasy feeling without ever being just like full horror. I'm gonna die every turn I take. It just、yeah. puts you on your heels just enough, but doesn't ever really overreach in that sense. And I think that's、yeah. kind of I, I bet the I bet the um the、uh, pull to do that was probably pretty strong. You know, like because it would have been tempting, wouldn't it? Yeah, to do exactly. More yeah. Uh, uh, overt. Uh, Grand moments of of horror for、yeah. sure, but it's it's all pretty low key and subtle.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I thought that、Give、the choice to do a couple that of moments was pretty smart, in my opinion. It kept me, you know, very a very willing participant, although still kind of you know uneasy about the experience. Now, again, it reminds me of that. There, there is something about the sort of Scandi horror in cinema and fiction, which does obviously has its moments. Of、uh, of Grand Guignol or whatever, but、um, but often is、uh, is so much about a mood and a vibe and woods and a lot of woods, yeah, white wood <laughs> in particular, white looking bark, yeah, definitely, and sticky sticks. And,、uh, and it's still, I mean, has anyone seen the show Dark? I've only seen a tiny bit of it. The German, only bits of it、German、over my partner's show, shoulder, but yes, and, very and much. And obviously, X Files. You know, it's a good X Files when there's the woods. <laughs> you know, or something, so、all filmed in Canada, I think it was. Wasn't, wasn't it? it? Wasn't it Northwest? Wash? I don't know, Washington State or something like that. I I don't know. I anyway,、remember. Leah knows the X Files. <laughs>、um, one puzzle that I wanted to mention, and this brings us back to the audio a bit. There's a there's a puzzle which I think can, as far as I'm aware, can only be solved by.、Uh, there's actually there's two audio puzzles.、Mm-hmm. One which is.、Um, One which is following sounds, and one which is matching tones. Yeah, and I really enjoyed both of those puzzles, and they work for me. I'm lucky I've hearing,、um, but I don't think there was any way to solve those other than brute forcing or or random if you were deaf or、mm. hard of hearing, or even those who are kind of like pitch pitch blind. I don't know what the I was term wondering that. Yeah, 
I know right, that there are yeah. people that can't really determine the kind of musical pitches of certain sounds. I was wondering that because, yeah, that's something that I've I've got. And I remember having it at school in music exams and stuff and thinking, yeah, that's I can hear that's that. And, you know, if I whistle a tune, it comes out sounding right. But some people are tone deaf, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have to match up these tones and it's not the same sound. It's the same tone. So, right. Yeah, I wondered if if they released it now. I wonder if there'd be um, accessibility options. Yeah, yeah, these accessi skip, accessibility yeah. options wouldn't fly under today's market. You mean you mean none, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, or exactly. the, I don't know what's on the PC version of the game on the iOS. Like I say, as far as I'm aware, I could have yeah. missed the map or the menu, but I don't think I did. Like I was clicking around for it. Um, it's very pure and in that way, as you describe, uh, relatively inaccessible. Also. Am I right in thinking that with both of those audio-based puzzles, there's no indication? So if you were playing the game with the audio off, as many people do, especially with mobile games, you wouldn't have a clue what was going on at all. Yes. Again, if this was a modern game, it would have the, this game is best played with headphones. Warning, right. Which started yeah. not long. It started like, I remember that from like Tales of the Borderlands onwards. I could be... Might be the wrong oh, okay. game there, or Telltale, or something like that. Was the first time I saw that. Mm -hmm. Not a year later, or whatever. Um, or it might have been before that. It might have been um, The Walking Dead, or something. I remember the, my, very strongly my first kind of playing an iOS mm. game, and the screen. They take a whole screen as, on startup to say, "Please God, put the sound on. <laughs> put your cans on. Yeah, you fool." Uh, any other puzzles that we should talk about? Any. Uh... But either in terms of their mechanics or just their concept and solution that did, stood out to you did anyone else get their phone out like i was this time round, maybe just for expediency's sake i was taking photos so i was in the bunker with the fire and noticing the symbols with the i've got them the all numbers. written down i would take a photo of it on my phone so i just ended yeah, up with sensible. this <laughs> and with the companion app so i so quite spookily i ended up with this whole string of uh of photos on my you know on my phone i should take a photo of this actually i've got my arcane looking notepad which has <laughs> the the three runes on it the owl puzzle which yep. is the the from the doll dance mm -hmm. i didn't actually draw if i was like if i was guillermo del toro or somebody i'd have drawn amazing pictures of all these things and put them all in the margins or or our friend uh, 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 Steve Pickford, who's who I hope I don't know if he's still carried on, but he started doing these stunning um, Elden Ring diaries. Yeah, illustrated Elden Ring diaries when the game came out last mm. year. I don't know whether he's managed to keep it up or not, but um, yeah, I wish I'd done that. And um, yeah, I'm not that much of a drawer. I'm an okay drawer, but yes, it's just arcane scrawlings. Looks a bit like um, the uh, the seven, the John Doe diaries from the movie <laughs> Seven. Um, <laughs> I've got uh, I got a few points written um, that we we could jump off of for the podcast, such as symbols and symbolism. Not sure if that's any use. Um, <laughs> there just definitely the, symbols uh, in it. Yeah, I just got the word goat written down. <laughs> uh -huh. um, I've got the arrows that um, that point the rotations around the church. Yeah, at well, the end. that is a yeah. that is worth mentioning because they break they break the graphics, don't they? They suddenly yeah. introduce this three D element, which I thought was yeah. very effective. As if you're floating around the church, you know, have your feet having mm -hmm. left the ground. It suddenly I became... was putting in like the Konami code, like putting it in like a Konami code. So I was going left, right, left, right, right, left right but of course it what it means is you're going to be walking all the way around the church right the yeah. thing 
So I'm a notebook pervert too, Leon. So I've got, I've got, I've got, I've, got, I've just got, just I save all notebooks. of them in boxes for no reason. I don't know. I'm a weirdo. But um, so mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I was taking those same thing, and I'm not sure if Ryan had trouble with that uh, church puzzle for the same reason I did. But the arrows they give you to symbolize which way you're going to go around the church, there's two arrows on there. Mm-hmm. That's right. So Doubles. I, yeah. I thought that you had to do it twice for each one. So oh. I did it right in my mind, you yeah. know, four or five times. That, and it takes a minute, too, because it's not like you're spinning around that church quick. And I got done. I'm like, what am I doing wrong? I looked it up. Huh. It's like, oh, you got the right code. You're just doing it twice, you idiot. Like, oh. It was only to de- delineate those arrows from the other left-right puzzle where you're clicking on the things either side of the... Yeah. I yeah. think it was just to, just to, to make that I think that's st- an easy mistake to make. I actually, yeah. you know, I've written them down as pairs, as it was shown. I didn't write just L-R-L. Are, I felt that there was some need to draw them as they were yeah. depicted in the game. Mm. Curious. That puzzle just kind of didn't work for me for some reason. Like I, I think I did the correct combination. You have to wait for the um, you have to wait for the face to appear at the end of the rotation, right? Okay, that that might have been because I know that it it gives you the little flash of the goat symbol at the beginning to kind of let you know yeah. that you've like reset the, um, and then as a four sided building. I wasn't sure whether it was, do I rotate it once, which means like a quarter turn, or do I rotate it all the way around? I did it correctly and nothing happened. And then I came back, I left the screen, Mm. came back to kind of reset it. And then I only did like a couple turns and then it gave me the ending, which was not the correct combination. So I don't know if it was just (laughs) if I had opted (laughs) out of the screen too quickly or whether, I don't know, that something went weird for Mm. me there. Oh, that's a shame. That's a shame. Because if you do it smoothly and you don't get caught on it brain-wise, um, the, you know, the just the visual, audio-visual experience is quite satisfying to sort of nail it and then it all proceeds into a very mm. trippy, trippy ending. Mm. Another puzzle I did want to mention, because I don't know how it is on other platforms or if there are other ways of solving it or whether whether it recognises what controller you're using... There's the, uh, I guess it's just meant to be like an oven or something uh, with an iron flappy door on it uh, that you get a flame from. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, And normally you can just open it and close it. But when you're in this particular section of the game where you need to get this flame, it has two catches on it. And as I was playing, the catches had two letters on them. And I realized that I had to hold those letters down on my PC keyboard to open the catches. But I don't know what it does, whether you're playing on a Wii U with a controller or on iOS with your fingers. I can't remember where you get the flame. If it's even a thing that you take it out of. I just can't remember. Uh, It was quite simple, as you'd imagine with an iOS game. Maybe you just slide it with your fingers. Yeah. The, yeah, the awkward maybe, thing, uh, yeah, the awkward thing with the flame is you've got to keep hold of it, like with the baby, right? And you can leave it behind by accident, and you have to go back and get it, and it just sort of hangs there in in the air. It's quite, it's a little bit immersion breaking actually. Um, okay. The difference see. was that for me that the so the babies disappear if you let them go, whereas the flame stays. Hmm. Yeah, because yeah. once you take the flame to that cellar, it's always there, and um, you yes, don't have to yeah. go back and and get it. Uh, yeah, I, I actually, it's funny, I, I forgot about that keyboard thing, I wanted to mention that, I was very, uh, at, that, at that point of the game, just kind of beating my head against a brick wall, trying to wonder what to do, and then it became so quickly obvious, but 
the 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 interesting thing and i think this is kind of rolls into all the other puzzles is that it does a lot of giving you all the tools at your disposal at any time without necessarily any direction on what to do with them but there is yeah. a hint system um there i'm not sure indeed. if there was a hint system in the ios version there definitely but... there's nothing in the ios version yeah. that's it it's so, just completely clean yeah so hmm. so there were a couple times in the game and granted it's not that long of a game where it was just I had got the initial clue, like, it was pretty obvious when the key turned to water, I had to go down to the water, you know, something, but there were other times where, like, the holder had just appeared, and then faded off, and I had no idea where to go, and this little hint thing was up there, and I clicked it, and it's like, the holder has gone east, I'm like, oh, okay, cool, thanks, you know, <laughs> I went, out, went yeah, over there, yeah. did that, you know, um, and so that, that was It's easy to helpful. miss things, yeah. but I missed the fact that it turned into water. Because it's just a quick oh, right, animation, yeah. and if if you're not looking, if you blink right. in looking at your phone, yeah, um, yeah, I guess you just try all locations and hope you stumble across some. It, right. It's certainly not over-engineered as a puzzle game, is it? It's quite clever and subtle in some ways, but it's not um, incredibly tight and refined and satisfying and kind of um, yeah, it's not the greatest puzzle game ever made. I don't mm. think. But I, I had a cool moment with that, though, what you just referred to, Tom, in with the tombstone puzzle where you have to draw the symbols on it. Mm. Um, I saw one symbol in the wild, and I got to that tombstone way before that area of the, uh, the of the game before I had it. So I just drew that symbol on, and one of those eyes lit up on the tombstone, and then it didn't tell me anything to do anything. It just that little eye was lit up, and I had that moment of... Oh, I did something, and then I was like, "Oh no, I did something!" You know, like, <laughs> like what is, what did I do? What did I unleash on this world? Did, and, um, um, that might be a different puzzle because in the iOS version, you lift up the tombstones to reveal. Oh no, yeah, this is, is um, that... th this is the one where you you draw the. There's like, is it six dots uh, with like three on each side, kind of parallel to each other, and you draw different symbols, and then it ends up telling you the pattern. I believe you have to rotate the church. Yeah, I don't think that's that's not in. The iOS right, version. so I, I played both mm. both versions, and so on the yeah. on the iOS version, actually, it's kind of funny. There's a tombstone with like two giant fingerprints on it, which yeah, on the PC version, oh, there's okay. the the version. It's just a bunch of like you know dots and symbols and stuff, which looks mm. you know it stands out, but it looks somewhat kind of natural. But just a a tombstone with two giant thumbprints uh, feels very huh. very strange. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but it indicates this so kind of multi-touch that you're supposed to do to to raise the tombstone. Hmm. Right. Mm, uh, that's what it was. Yes. Yeah. So they really did engineer these 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 yeah. Yeah, they very put a lot of work in them yeah. for that. Not trying to brute force things right. that don't fit yeah. into other. I assume the Wii U version is pretty much a straight port of the PC version with a couple of yeah controller tweaks. Well, not but necessarily. Actually... Is the gamepad touch screen? Uh, yeah, but it's not multi-touch. Ah, there we go. Yeah. Okay. So some of the and actually, I can't work. remember if it's is it chiefly a gamepad experience, or are you supposed to be able to play it on the big screen? Maybe it adapts from the touchy one to the PC one if you play it on a screen. Hmm. Interesting. Maybe I should have played the Wii U version after. All. <laughs> Sorry, listener. Incomplete data, but uh, you probably weren't going to play the Wii U version yourself, were you? So most of the touchscreen puzzles, though, from my experience with the iOS one, do require multi-touch. So. Like mm. nine out of ten yeah. of them wouldn't have worked on Wii U, anyways. Mm. I literally don't even know if it prefers you to play it with the Wii Mote as a pointer and mm. replicates the mouse play of the PC version or finger play of the iOS version, or whether you can just whack in a 
a pro controller or whatever and and play it like a like a goddamn video game (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't even know if you can play year walk on the pc with a xbox controller i don't know what happens whether it just says stop doing that you silly person (laughs) one thing i did notice was that although it uh tells you by default to use the arrow keys to walk around it perfectly recognizes WASD. so yeah you can play it like a you can play it you can pretend you're playing quake without a gun and with (laughs) well with a knife ultimately sadly also on uh, on Steam, I guess this is the only version that has these. I don't know. I, I can't remember what year they brought in iOS game achievements and then took them away again, the Game Center. <laughs> um, but there are Steam achievements, as Brian alluded to. Uh, I've also got none of them, I don't think, after playing the game and completing yeah, it. Yeah, I thought is I was going to get the one for completing it without using any hints and then like literally 10 minutes into the game, I'm replaying it a 90 minute game for the second time i'm like <laughs> what do i do right now yeah. <laughs> like it just it all left my brain so, for some reason so I isn't that one of the most annoying things in all of gaming <laughs> is a puzzle that you've already solved and you can't remember how you solved it i hate that so it was much. something i think i just had to move the wagon to find the the ghost baby i can't remember but it, was, no, it wasn't yeah. anything i should have forgotten that's for sure yeah so frustrating <laughs> There's uh, the most commonly achieved one is one called Digital Rune, which is uh, a mysteriously modern uh, rune. It looks like you just have to uh, draw an eight on the big stone, maybe something like Mm. that. Uh, I don't know if that's that's the actual solution because it doesn't say Uh, do a full year walk without any hints. The clockwise minute box, so the box that you unravel the secrets of after completing the game once, the clue on the achievement is 48, 30, 42, 30, 18. Um, Hmm. I assume it's to do with spinning it in various directions or proportions, but actually... Maybe there's symbols on the journal pages too, the entries. Maybe correlate to those. An alternate. Yeah. Right. Ah might have to try that after the show (laughs) game is still installed that makes me think a little about the the i will spoil absolutely nothing about the stanley parable ultra deluxe which Mm, is one mm. of the best games i think uh, it's one of my favorite games ever made Uh, Mm. but there's some as you can imagine with with trophies and stuff there is some almighty funky funky stuff in there um, mm. There's stuff to do with menus, and yeah, I won't spoil it. It's it's fantastic, but uh, a lot deeper than this, and a lot more sure. commenting on its depth and its silliness and all of that. The next one interests me, and and again, I haven't looked up the solution. Obviously, the solutions are all out there for this uh, aged game. It's called Logo Type. The symbol for the achievement is uh, what I think looks like a human ear. And the clue is a three-letter word in the dark. Without it, it's silent, which is like a crossword, a cryptic crossword yeah. clue. But I, I, the answer isn't coming immediately to mind. And I don't know, even if it did, I don't know where you... It sounds like you're... Well, on the intro, of, you have to tap on the iOS Yeah, version, I was wondering if it's something to do with to that. You have to create the words year walk. Yes. Which is a very, very cool way of kind of, you know, introducing... To oh, I wonder yeah. if you just, yeah, if you I wonder if you just ear. spell ear. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you just interesting. If you spell nothing else, yeah, that'd be interesting. Uh, I'm oh, that's to probably it. Yeah. Just spell it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'll try what was that the clue again? 
a three-letter word in the dark without it it's silent and a picture of an ear you're right that is very so yeah. you, so you click on the three letters that spell ear <laughs> very okay, good we've, we've ruined that we one. should start a crossword podcast <laughs> uh i guess those exist uh lost is the next one which is to do a full year walk without looking at the map which is obviously very easy if you've already played the game uh, I wouldn't uh, say easy. I mean, I you know, right, I had to yeah. look up an external map just to just to fine tune the last few bits. But mm. it's not. It's just complicated enough. It reminds me of Dune twenty sixteen for some reason. It's like <laughs> just complicated enough that you have to really be thinking hard about if you don't have a map. If you're playing the iOS version and you don't, you have no option of a map unless you're looking it up externally. It's just slightly complicated enough that it's quite. It's quite cool, actually. You can't, even if you're like, oh, I want to go back to the house to kind of get back to where I started. But it's just the wrong kind of combination of ups and downs and lefts and rights that um, you can start to feel quite lost. And like you're, and, and like you're going around in yeah. circles. And as mm-hmm. long as that doesn't last too long and you just get ultra frustrated by it. But but initially on the iOS version with no map, um, that feeling of getting lost and going around in circles, and you're like, oh, I swear I... Mm. I swear I needed to get back to the the you know the windmill, but I can't work out yeah. which which place does I'm actually going play into from. the least achieved Steam achievement, which is the do a f- full year walk in twenty minutes, mm. which doesn't sa- again doesn't sound that hard once you've completed the game, but actually it probably only takes you getting mislaid a couple of times. Uh, yeah, the next one I really like the sound of, and again I don't know what it refers to. Again, maybe we'll, we'll puzzle it out between us. It's called Owl Six, so it's obviously something to do with clicking on the owls in a sequence that isn't the one in the game. The picture is of a sort of traditionally suited man with a hat and a tie. That's well, a Device says, Six reference. I was going to say it relates to another game. It says the owls sing a song that they learned in the lobby of a castle on a remote island. Oh, interesting. Yeah, uh, so it's uh, even more transtextual now. You actually yeah, have yeah, to go play yeah. a completely different game that wasn't out. When the Steam version came out, or maybe it was, I don't know. Huh. Um, and I guess work out how to make the owls sing whatever tune they're referring to. <laughs> uh, cheat walk. You can do a full year walk without uncovering the secrets of the rune and the doll. It then says the grim will visit your dreams, which makes me not want <laughs> to get that achievement. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Watcher's stone cryptogram is the penultimate one. Um, and the clue is all caps, Myling Brook Horse Knight, tra- uh, Knight Raven Holdra, but with some of the letters switched out for numbers. Do them in a certain order? Could be, but there's also, it's something about the stone cryptogram. It's got a picture of the the stone cryptogram as it's shown on the map. That's right, because each of those correspond to the different runes that you find throughout the game as well. Yes. Yeah, that's probably what it is. Yeah. Um, and then the final one is uh, actually play the game on New Year's Eve. Oh, which ah, is cool. that would be Very brilliant. Nice. Yeah, we could have done, we could have done that. Ugh, mm. Just missed it. Yeah, now you yeah. tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know. January 14th. This is the year yeah. after Fez. Um, I'm not sure they would have had time to respond to the Fez and the and the the language no. stuff but but you know I, it definitely feels like an era where indie developers were having a lot of fun or maybe tearing their hair out working out how to engineer you know clever 
um, subversion twists and secret things. And um, uh, it, it, it took Tunic coming out in 2022, I think, to sort of remind hmm. people how fun that can be. And then The, the yeah. Witness a few years before that. And um, it's, it, I think it seems to take a developer who's who's able to cast that yeah just cast their mind into that space of like how can we take players mentally outside the game or not break the fourth wall but break the fourth dimension or or like slip players into the fourth dimension or something like that you know what i mean like play with language play with codes and symbols and all of that kind of thing um and i'm not clever enough to get most of that you know fez no way but um but i do love it you know i love it when a game does it and i love being you know bamboozled a bit by it and the the trans textuality of the companion app speaks to the imagination of the developers being able to go beyond because it's it's not as that the journal entries and everything the photography as i say seems to be the most complicated part of it but the effort they went to with that shows says to me that even if they did it off the end of development they still put a lot of welly into it like they put dev time properly into creating that polishing it um yeah and to release two apps, i don't know if that was more expensive for them to release two apps um at launch um mm. than just just the one uh and engineering wise or, or, or something but i didn't mention sales earlier but i've i've read that the the game sold two hundred thousand in its opening year on ios which i imagine was a success for simogo and certainly the fact that they've gone on to make all these other games and are still going suggests that it it did all right for them, hmm. which is cool. We had just one three-word review. Follow us at Kana Rince on social media. Channing King says, time to revisit, which I assume is talking about Channing's urge to replay the game, but it also sort of works as a metatextual commentary on the nature of the, the game. I don't think we... We didn't quite explain. I know we've kind of explained most of the puzzles to this game, but um, as I say, this is the sort of show that people can play the game before they listen, if they're intending to. Uh, We didn't sort of fully make it clear how the code to the puzzle box is given to the player. Mm. So so as you're reading the companion app journal entries and... Hopefully, like me, you you have hoodwinked into thinking it was real, uh, but gradually, oh, I think yeah. fairly Not qui- if you've listened to this podcast. Yeah, obviously. fairly quickly, I think you'd realise that this was a fun fictional account and that the code is hidden within... And I, and I love, I love Ghost in the Machine horror. Um, it's yes. it's simple to do. I loved Ringu when, when I first saw it, a Japanese uh, horror, famous horror film of the mm-hmm. girl come out on TV um even there's bits of like assassin's creed 2 and stuff that are spooky with like other subjects caught in the in the machine or whatever getting messages from the beyond and stuff and this does that you know where he gets a freaky email he gets a freaky phone call and um as i said before the i just love the photos and the photoshopping where they've hidden these symbols um throughout these pictures and you have to be paying um, they're they're fairly obvious. You don't. I don't. I wouldn't say it's easy to miss them, but um, you just have to be paying a bit of attention to the images and think to take that back. You know, work out the order and then take it back to the game and sort of go that extra yeah. step of effort. 
he does sort of in the journal towards the end sort of say, I know, let's try this. So it, it does sort of almost give it away in the end, I think. But uh, He could have done the uh, the glass still. onion thing of just getting a sledgehammer out and smashing the box to bits. Don't spoil glass onion. It's not a spo- that, you... That's not a spoiler. That's not a spoiler. Okay. It's a funny. <laughs> it's a, very it's a new the, film very at the time the of recording. No, no, no. It's very near the beginning. For okay, the opening fine. sequence. <laughs> that's fine. All right, then. Uh, let us try to summarise our feelings on Yearwalk and uh, whether we'd recommend people to play it after listening to this podcast or not, where we've given away the solution of virtually every puzzle in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Did we enjoy it or, or not? Uh, Ryan? Yeah, I find Yearwalk to be very, very effective. Um, it's one of the more memorable of these kind of like vibe point and click adventure types of games that i remember playing um it stuck with me back when i played it and didn't finish it back when it was new and then going back to it now so much of it just kind of immediately came back to mind i it was like i had spent no time away from it like it's it's just one of those that just kind of sticks with you stays in your mind um i also think it's a really effective exploration of this folklore material um reading the accompanying history surrounding the you know the the history of the folklore and a lot of those more kind of the, those traditional details around the the behavior of these different mythical creatures and the different conditions that would bring them into being you could see such clear parallels it, it's like a it's like a very effective teaching aid in a way like you know it it makes it all much more memorable it um it does a very good job of telling these stories and that's really what it set out to do i think like i think it's very effective in what it does um it creates a very very tense mood i find it to be quite uh quite intense to play um thus me not being able to finish it the first time back many many years ago uh i i think Hmm. like for my own personal tastes and i know this is a huge your mileage may vary uh line to draw in the sand here but i i do think that it is lesser for having jump scares like i for the types of horror Mm. that i like i think that that cheapens the overall experience and i think it would be stronger without it or at least to have an Mm. option without it because that's not how i like to experience my horror and the fact that yeah, there are jump enough. scares yeah. means that I have to play the rest of it with the volume turned down and with, you know, w- with the window smaller or something, well, whatever it takes to like get me in a place where I, you know, because again, I'm a little baby. Um, but other than that, I I do think it is very effective. Um, I, I think it's just fascinating to learn about different types of folklore. And so, you know, I, more than anything, I kind of value this as like a uh, as like a college lecture or something. You know, it's like a, a a clear explanation of this folklore that I would not have encountered otherwise, and I'm really happy to have had that experience. Brilliant, thanks, Ryan. Yeah, I kind of didn't know too much about this game going into it, playing it for the show. Even though, as I say, it's been in my collection for quite some time. I was aware of the, I've seen the icon sitting on my Wii U for however many years it is and uh, just yeah hadn't got around to playing it. And after the kind of default one playthrough, I was thinking, that's a cool game. Uh, you know, nice puzzles, point and clicky, first person, but 
uh, yeah, cool Scandi atmosphere with that uh, that sort of yeah chilly supernatural vibe going on. Very pleasant time, um, but wouldn't have really kind of you know blown me away. The puzzles were fine and fun and mechanically quite cool, but nothing that actually kind of made me go wow. Uh, but then it's really the the second part, the actually the the, the whole second phase of completing the game properly i guess only took about half an hour maybe in total because you don't have to sort of replay the entire game i thought it was going down that road where you'd have to redo everything backwards or something you know to kind of to solve the game but actually all you do is some reading and some thinking and some observation and then go back in and uh and kind of it re as i said at the start it sort of reframes your experience makes you think about this quite you know metaphysical concept of the the time travel and the fact that maybe you're kind of occupying uh the the same space as another entity from the past and maybe even becoming their psyche in some way and all this kind of stuff that yes maybe is better left without the kind of the absolute concrete having it having it all laid out for you maybe it's better just to muse on it as yeah it's only been 24 hours since i finished the game so i'm still kind of thinking what i think about it uh but that stuff was where the game was elevated for me and yeah totally made me realize why tom wanted us to talk about it for this show and uh and i think the conversation has proved that that was definitely worthwhile so for the price that the game is i don't know what it is on ios but it's under a fiver in english pounds on uh great british pounds sorry on steam um definitely worth experiencing and perhaps yeah even if even if you have now listened to the show without uh, without having not played the game maybe just give it a rest and you won't remember anything that we've said by the time you come around to playing it (laughs) play it in a year's time and uh and you can have that experience for yourself but yes a couple of jump scares do beware if that's not your thing they are in there as ryan said brian yeah, I feel mostly the same way you do, Leon, and um, uh, I I echo Ryan's sentiments too when it comes to some of the more horror-y elements of this game not really being what defined my experience with it. Um, I think Gearwalk is really, really cool. I'm, I'm glad I played it. I'm glad I've got that history, and, and maybe the most importantly to me, it, it was a game that made me go outside of the game to do a little research and learning about um this particular ritual and just kind of folklore in general i i'm i'm naturally intrigued by those things like a lot of people are and and even though um i'm very much like you leon where i don't feel like i experience those things myself but i really like reading up on the history of them and, and kind of the the whatever um uh, inspiration, inspiration. Thank you. Yeah, I, I need an inspiration to find my own vocabulary. Um, uh, <laughs> whatever inspiration led to those beliefs kind of being held yes, in these practices absolutely. going through. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think it's. I think it's a, a really worthwhile use of your time. And I don't think having listened to this podcast, you would have ruined any part of that for yourself. Um, I, I do now after hearing Tom and Ryan talk about. It, I wish that I had experienced the the du- dual companion app, but I feel like I still got that nice reveal with the journal at the end and and, yes. and had the I hope that I had the experience the developers intended. And if I'm just kind of been championing the short game lately too, like I, I've played two essentially ninety minute um games in the last week and, and one was Year Walk and the other one was Super Kiwi sixty four. And I love both those games. They're great. 
Um, one of those games is a throwback to a, an old style of video game. Another one is something that I think is completely unique when I compare it to anything else that I've played. And that, that mm. game is Year Walk. Um, mm. if, you, if, if anything, if you are someone who are seeking out an original and unique experience, this game is going to get you there. And I think for your, like as you said, Leah, for uh, money investment and time investment, I think it's well worth your time. Thanks, Brian. Well, we have to conclude with the person who brought us this game for volume 12. It's Thomas. That That's all very well said, guys. That's three of the best, you know, closing uh, in summary pieces I've heard. Um, absolutely brilliant, <laughs> brilliant points. Like everybody co- covered something slightly different. Uh, and Brian, just on the point of short games, I think short games are back. I, I don't know. Maybe, well, this is an old game, but, you know, I think the celebration of short games is something that's that seems to be swirling more and more maybe it's just because i'm a parent with limited gaming time and i always go on about that but you know the the last we swapped in a short hike uh, i wasn't on that show but yeah for the <laughs> final game of volume 11 because the final game of volume 11 was going to be an absolutely massive <laughs> rpg and instead it, it swapped it in for a game that's like half an hour to two hours long or something and um, for us as a crew, that makes, you know, I, I only pick short games for when I pick my one game for the volume, I tend to pick very short games or short experiences because, um, you know, I just, if I know I've got to re- redo something, I want to be able to do it quite close to the episode and, and pack it in with family life mm. and everything. And, um, you know, a short game that stays with you, that's a hard thing to do. But I think this game is so um effective uh aesthetically um and as you know ryan said all peripatetically you know learning about a bit about something that you may not just think about in everyday life um you know old scandinavian folklore rituals uh for for people who couldn't get psilocybin or lsd on uh, prescription um (laughs) no i just really love this game and i love the full experience of it with the companion uh app and yeah i think i think i would recommend people if you have an ipad specifically and you're gonna and and you don't mind the odd jump scare because uh, they are quite sudden in this um they are quite aggressive and it do, it does it is a bit odd actually how few there are and, and maybe the game could have been Maybe they would have made different choices uh, as they developed as game developers. Um, but yeah, I I think I think I would recommend it more as a, an iPad game with headphones and the two apps. I think that might be the best experience, but I don't know. I haven't played the other the other ports and stuff, so I can't say that for sure. But um, yeah, I just you guys have already said everything. It's great atmosphere, great music, great art fits uh you know very uh, uh tone hangs together and even if you just leave the screen resting even if you just stop it's just uh, that it holds that tension and i think that's really that and the uh trans textual content with the companion app those are the two things that that wanted me to come you know convince me to come back to it and um, I'd be very happy if more people kind of returned to it or, or played it afresh. And I'm absolutely delighted, for instance, with Brian coming to it totally cold. That really is um, that really is fun um, because, yeah, probably the lesser known. If you've listened this far, 
you can't wipe your memory, unfortunately. But um... yeah. <laughs> we all manage to forget. As I said, you can forget the puzzle after you've just played the game. So yeah, I reckon it... listening to a podcast out of context and then give it give it a couple of months, I reckon you won't remember much about I it. I think it's the tra- <laughs> yeah, but it's the transtextual surprise that's well, the, yes. that's the yes. key for me that unlocks. We've killed that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We killed that dead as a, a dead as a crow that's been burst out i still think yeah i still think i still think there's stuff to get out of it even if you have ruined it for yourself by listening to our podcast but yes i agree going in cold which is yeah this is the most pointless thing to say at this point (laughs) because because you literally can't but um yeah yeah uh yeah and i i really enjoyed device six and at the very least the aesthetics of um sayonara wild heart so i think simogo uh, very early on established that you know tastefulness and aesthetics were very important to them and their games and i think that's why you know say apple seems to have championed them and they seem to be sort of indie darlings that that rode a wave out of the out of the kind of 2004 2008 2012 you know the indie wave coming i think these guys set their stall out did something they just seemed to make very deliberate um unique decisions about what they were going to make and i think this game might be the most you know the the perfect distillation of that so yeah very very strong recommendation obviously um and uh, a fantastic game all right well listener if we haven't killed it for you you can go and play it now uh in the meantime just remains for me leon to thank brian ryan and thomas our editor jay as well as our correspondents, oh, our correspondent, <laughs> and of course, hello to you for listening. Next time in issue five hundred and fifty-three, we'll latterly wrap up our time with the original Dead Space trilogy in our Dead Space Three podcast. Thank you.